0: Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome back to our second half hour. This is a fascinating interview, another fascinating interview. My guest is Elizabeth Kohler-Pentakoff. And she is the author of the new book, The Missing Kennedy, Rosemary Kennedy, and the Secret Bonds of Four Women. Elizabeth Kohler-Pentakoff is an author of nine books, including a Writer's Digest selection for the ABCs of Writing for Children. The Missing Kennedy is her first memoir. And she is a former byline magazine writing for children columnist, and she's written for many, many different uh, papers. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, what I'd like to know first is how you, how did you get, the, how did you hook up with the Kennedys, that whole Kennedy story? I mean, there's a lot of memoirs you could have written. What got you into this one? How did you get there?
2: Well, when I was a little girl, my aunt took care of Rosemary Kennedy, the sister to the president. And so I met Rosie when I was four years old. And Rosie was 43. So I grew up my entire life visiting Rosie uh, on a monthly basis. And so she was like a member of our family. Wow. So what...
1: Now fast forward to writing the book. Tell us how that happened. Now you knew her. So you yes. had, you know, You really knew her well and I assume you knew, you knew some of the family as well.
2: Well, what happened is, you know, all through her life, we were very protective of her, because, you know, she was um, disabled, and she was a very sweet soul, and of course, she was from a famous family, so there was always a a, a background worry in our minds that something might happen to her. You know, somebody could do something not, you know, kidnapping was a possibility or whatever. So we didn't really, you know, talk about it that much. And um, when people came to visit her, my my dad would just politely kind of send them on their way if they didn't really know if there was no connection to her. But um, So I never really thought about writing that story because I was protective of her. But um, several years ago, I was in a a little bit of, I had finished one book, and I was kind of not sure of what next, the project I should be working on next. So I've always been a big believer in the power of our own dreams, Mm. and I've studied dreams all of my life, I've been active in a dream group for many years, and I really believe dreams are the products of our subconscious and even more. Mm. So one night in 2010, I asked a question of my dreams before I fell asleep, fell asleep. And I said, okay, universe, what project should I write now? Well, that evening, in my dreams, a young blond man appeared to me
1: mm. and said,
2: you're going to write The Missing Kennedy. <clears throat> wow. And I said, there's no way, I can't. I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want her sister, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, to get upset that I'm, mm. you know, sharing private things. And he said, no, 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 she's not going to be upset. She's fine with it. Mm. And um, so later, it wasn't until I was researching that I came across this picture of this young blonde man. And I mm-hmm. gasped because he was Robert Kennedy's son. And he was, the at the time... When Robert was assassinated, he was a young boy, he was all alone in a hotel room, and he saw what had happened to his father uh, live. And unfortunately, he grew up to be a very troubled young man. He suffered from mental illness, and he self-medicated by drugs and alcohol. He got into trouble with the law. And the book I, I read... It said that he had told his cousins he most closely identified with his Aunt Rosemary because he felt the family wanted him hidden away, too, and he thought if his grandfather, Joe, had been alive, he would have wanted David to have a lobotomy, and that just, oh, that was just really powerful Uh, to me. Now,
1: was this David, is this David a lot, this David was was gone. He was on the other
2: side. He was on the other side. He had passed away in 19... He passed away in 1984 from an accidental drug overdose.
1: Mm -mm -mm. You know, when you wrote the book, you were required to do a lot of research. Did the research change your view of the Kennedys? Absolutely. What was your opinion before you wrote the book?
2: Before I wrote the book, I was very empathetic with the Kennedy situation but I still had a lot of anger inside of me regarding Rose and Joe, her parents. And then the more I read, the more I that anger just sort of dissolved, and I just felt sorry for every single person in this story because, you know, the Kennedys were a product of their time, and so much about... What we know of mental illness today was not known back in their day, and mental illness really was treated as though it was just, you know, people still thought that, you know, the devil caused it, or it could be contagious. So it was a very different life, and so I just had a lot more empathy.
1: Mm -hmm. What surprised you in your research?
2: What surprised me was how one person, which was the man who, who, who was kind of responsible for the lobotomy, his name was Dr. Walter Freeman, and he was not a surgeon, but he was a more of a, a, a neurologist, and um, he did all the discovery of the lobotomy procedure He um, found out about it when he was in a conference in Europe and he brought it to the United States. Mm. And so he joined with Dr. James Watts, who um, was a surgeon. And they operated first on... um, They experimented with, you know, brains in the morgue. And then when they um, passed that stage, they went to mental institutions, which were just horrid places back then. Mm. And they, they... operated on those who did not have any family to um, complain or, or talk, you know, say anything. And they also went to prisons and they operated on um, criminals. And that's how they started. And Dr. Um, Freeman was not a very honest man. So he skewed his data. And his data really wasn't data because he exaggerated his uh, successes, and just kind of forgot about all of his failures. Mm. So America embraced him, and he was, he was great at publicity because, you know, all of the popular magazines at the time, Reader's Digest, Newsweek, um, you know, they all said how wonderful this lobotomy was and that it would, you know, fix everything from, you know, not only uh, people who were uh, depressed or agitated like Rosemary was, but, you know, okay, you have a bored housewife, we'll give her a lobotomy. And, Mm. you know, even teenagers, misbehaving Uh teenagers had lobotomies. Really? So it was quite shocking what I discovered. And it's no no, wonder. Go ahead. It's just no wonder that, you know, with all of the publicity that Joe Kennedy turned to the most famous person of all that was known for it to, to find, seek help for his daughter.
1: Yeah. Talk about, um, for those people who don't know Elizabeth, talk about uh, the condition of Rosemary before she had the lobotomy and how the family decided to do this right, and then right. the aftermath. Give us the little story there.
2: Well, Rosemary, when she was young, was diagnosed uh, we would say, mentally challenged today. They called it mentally retarded. Uh-huh. However, um, looking at her schoolwork and and how she behaved with people, she most likely was learning disabled. Um, she would switch her, her letters. You know, she'd have backwards R's and, and backwards letters. She could not spell well, but she did quite well in math. But she was slower than all of her very competitive and athletic family members, and then, of course, being um, um, kind of the odd man out, it was difficult for her when suddenly all the other kids started dating and having very active social lives, and Rosemary was very naive, and she could not um, su- you know, successfully exist in society without someone being with her, so she started acting out when she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And it was then that she it was discovered that she had a mental illness. And at the time, they said she had agitated depression, mm. and so she started having horrible temper tantrums. She harmed herself, and she harmed family members. And then it was, you know, then they decided that they needed to seek seek some help. Hmm. How old was she at that time? Is Fifteen, sixteen? Um, yes, and she, well, she was she was starting to have exhibit these symptoms then. She had her lobotomy when she was only 23 years old, and uh, it changed her from a very vibrant young woman who actually very was successful in, in reading to preschool children and was very happy doing that in England, but then World War II broke out, and she had to return home. Mm-hmm. And um, then she met a convent, she stayed at a convent boarding school and that was a very austere life for her Right. so wait So she had the lobotomy in England Um, she had a very successful happy life when uh, her father was an ambassador in England and she was over there then when World War II hit she actually came back because it was no longer safe and then she was not in a very happy situation anymore and she was in a Various dear convent, and she was you know she just wasn't fitting in anywhere and so she started having the very violent temper tantrums so that's when Joe um, took her uh, to the doctor while Rose actually was in Europe um, um, or uh, uh, you know traveling um, so in in um, nineteen forty one she was lobotomized and it was Very sad, because she then was left without any uh, communication. She had to relearn how to walk. Um, Mm -hmm. It was very sad.
1: All right, we're going to take a break on that sad note, but we'll come back and make it happier. You are listening to Elizabeth Kohler-Pentikoff. She is the author of the memoir, The Missing Kennedy, Rosemary Kennedy, and The Secret Bonds of Four Women. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back.
2: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, will Travel,
0: whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every
2: Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Do you want to expand the legacy that you leave behind? Get the inspiration you need by hearing from others who are doing just that. Listen for Your Why with host Nelina Varinas. The show features amazing guests who have saved lives, helped others, and brought forth hope to others around them. By hearing their stories, you can make some stories of your own. Your why can be heard every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: The schizophrenia
0: community faces tough challenges every day. The community includes individuals living with schizophrenia, their partners, parents, children, siblings, friends, neighbors, co-workers and also their providers of health care and social services. To hear Dr. Gordon Atherley introduce members of the schizophrenia community who are sharing their experiences, tune in to Schizophrenia Community Radio every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
1: the author of The Missing Kennedy, Rosemary Kennedy, and the Secret Bonds of Four Women. And I want to read what Bobby Schreiber wrote. Aunt Rosemary inspired so many to work against injustice and ignorance. Her struggle and her immense legacy will be felt and celebrated by reading this exceptional book. That, that's really very important. And I want to read one more by Anthony Shriver. The Missing Kennedy is a truly inspiring story. It captures my Aunt Rosie's spirit so well. I especially love how it intertwines the stories about Rosie and the author's Aunt Stella, and it provides some great glimpses into the author's experiences with both of them. So welcome back, Elizabeth. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about your aunt, your Aunt Stella, and the role that she played in Rosemary Kennedy's life.
2: Yes, my Aunt Stella became Sister Paulus uh, when she joined the um, convent of the Sisters of St. Francis, and she completely believed in the power of love and gentleness to make positive change, and she served as a wonderful um, motivation for me and for anyone who knew her. Uh, So, when she was at St. Coletta, um, Sister Paulus came there in 1960, and uh, Rosie um, had been at another home in New York previously, which did not work out well for her, and so Joe found out through a friend of his, Cardinal Cushing, about St. Coletta, which was a home for the mentally challenged in Jefferson, Wisconsin. My aunt uh, was assigned her, and as soon as she um, met Rosemary, she did have, you know, it, it wasn't easy because Rosemary had a lot of anger in her from what had happened. And um, when she, Rosemary had the lobotomy, the doctors told uh, Joe to put her in an institution and not to visit her because it was thought that anyone in an institution really should not have family visitors me- uh, visiting them because it would be too much of an emotional upheaval in their daily schedules. So, for 20 years, no one visited Rosie. For so 20 years. 20 years, from 1941 through 1961. What changed that was Joe's had a stroke in December of 61, and the nuns who had formerly always contacted Mr. Kennedy for anything regarding his daughter suddenly could not contact him anymore. And so they contacted Rose, the mother. Now, Rose and her family did not know about the truth of what Rosemary had suffered. They only thought she had worsened in her depressive state and was an institution somewhere. They did not know where, and they did not know she had a lobotomy. So suddenly, when they found out, you know, Rose was couldn't wait to visit her, and neither did you. You know, Eunice also visited her, and all the family members started coming out. And then Rose discovered that the the nuns had been told by Joe at the time to keep her hidden away, so that she would be safe. So she was not allowed out. So Rose <clears throat> wisely realized. Now this was 1961 that that's not exactly the way you should, you know, treat anybody, and that it might be a better idea to let her out and socialize. Mm. So, but the first time Mrs. Kennedy met her, uh, Rose was very angry. Rosie was very angry at her mother. Uh, however, it really it really improved once. Rosie became out and about, and she learned socialization, and my aunt was very calm and gentle with her, so Rosie became a much happier and loving person.
1: Let me ask you, do you think that Rosie understood what happened to her? Do you think she knew?
2: Yes. I think, that, well, I think that she knew on, on many levels, because when she did greet her mother at the airport the first time she'd seen her in 20 years, she began running to her. And the nuns started running after her, and Mrs. Kennedy opened her arms to, an, you know, she just figured they would have this huge hug and wonderful reunion, and instead, Rosie attacked her and took her hands and beat on Mrs. Kennedy's chest, and uh, just had this, you know, scream. And I think Rosie was saying, "Where have you been?" Uh, and how so did then,
1: Rose? How did Rose uh, respond
2: to that? It with shock shock and tears, and and she was very upset. However, that was the last time that had ever happened, and they were able to rebuild um, a relationship. Um,
1: Mm. How have the Kennedys and Shrivers received this book, or do you know?
2: I know that the Shrivers have been very enthusiastic. Um, I was able to interview many of them, and they've um, supported the book Uh, It was the first book that really identified that, that, you know, Rosie was, you know, truly, she suffered from mental illness. And that was the whole reason um, Mm -hmm. that she had this horrible procedure. And uh, up until, you know, now it it really hasn't been discussed. And I think that it's a relief to get the truth out only because, you know, mental illness is not a – no one – You know, deserves it. It's like cancer. You know, it's it's a disease, and it's something that should be um, discussed and and talked about, so that we know that if we have a mental illness, we're not alone. There are many other people who have this, and there are many ways to uh, deal with this and treat this. And we need to respond as a community. Uh, It's not just you know. Um, someone has it in their family, and too bad for them. We need to embrace this and help each other, like we have in cancer research and and um, you know Alzheimer's and everything else. So I, I'm really glad that Rosie, you know, inspired her family to do positive, wonderful things in the in the reaction of um, the mentally challenged. I mean, Eunice started Special Olympics. Um, right in her backyard, actually.
1: Yeah, and and uh, that's where the Kennedy Well has been spent on research
2: to help yes, the development. He did absolutely disability. the Joseph P Kennedy Foundation, which was begun <clears throat> um, when uh, Joe's oldest son was killed in a, a, a bombing accident and during World War Two, and they started this foundation and first they be, they gave away money to anybody any really you know serious cause and then Eunice encouraged her father and her parents to devote all of their time and their research to those who suffered from mental disabilities and their families and and everyone so that really became a focus for their entire family and they just done so many good things
1: they have and also the Kennedys and Traver families were helpful to you in writing the book weren't they
2: yes they were yeah. um, they were very helpful they, they gave um, you know um, really lovely interviews and um, they you know talked about the book since so it's, it's, it's very good and you know it's important that everybody know that no matter what tragic situation happens um, that good can come out of it and that we need to take action when there is a, a negative situation in our lives. First of all, we you know, it's easy to feel alone and afraid, but mm. we really do need to reach out to those who love us first and um, have mm. honest loving compassion toward one another, uh, and then we Thank can you. reach out to the community as well.
1: Thank you, Elizabeth. I was going to ask you what your message is, but that's your message. Yes. That's really your message. How can
2: people get this book? They can get it through any normal bookstore or online um, um, venue. I have a website called missingkennedy.com. They can find out more information there. Um, They can hire me as a speaker. Um, You know, I really would like to get the message out because we all, even, you know, extraordinary families like the Kennedys did wonderful good. But look at my aunt. She was an ordinary, poor, young farm girl, and she did extraordinary things within her lifetime for all the um, mentally challenged at St. Coletta and for Rosie. So everyday people like you and me can do small things for people we can make that make huge impacts upon the world absolutely thank
1: you so much elizabeth stay on the line for a minute thank you so much for being on the program thank you it's very enlightening elizabeth kohler pentecoff the book is the missing kennedy rosemary kennedy and the secret bonds of four women all right folks so that wraps up this edition of the patricia raskin show right here on voiceamerica.com stay healthy stay happy get the support you need and know you can make your dreams come true until next time i'm patricia raskin bye for now